Well, good morning and welcome to our podcast um, here. And we're reflecting uh, back on Sunday morning. Uh, we've been continuing our series on the Gospel of John. Uh, and we're on to the second part. Having had a week off last week, we um, why didn't we do the podcast? We didn't do the podcast because... It was the... It was the um the, the fun run, run. The fun run. And we were baristas for yep. the morning. And um, we were worn out from being baristas. Yeah, it was um, pretty intense. Um, mm. Sort of an hour there during time when I don't think I s- looked up from the coffee machine. Mm. Um, and um, it was a good opportunity to be not in the building. I mean, that's so a bit of a sidetrack. But, you know, as we engage in our community, you know, we didn't, we didn't gather in the church. You know, and we haven't. A couple of years ago, we did the same thing. We didn't gather in the church uh, and we cho- chose an opportunity to be in the community. Mm. Um, and that was that's quite an interesting you know, experience. Uh, and some from church, church family engaged with it. Um, others didn't. Mm. Um, but I do think there's these opportunities that we can just be around. Uh, and I think it was a good story we could tell. You know, we served coffee in the coffee yeah. shop. Um, all the donations went to Playscape, which is you know, a big community initiative for Shelford. Um, and it was nice to be part of that yeah. uh, as a church. Um, but this Sunday, we were back in the building mm-hmm. uh, with all the challenges of um, hybrid service, of live streaming uh, yeah. and um, people being present. Uh, and we're reflecting again on John the Baptist, who we got introduced to last couple of weeks ago. And then we have really um, John's expression of who John the Baptist is. And he's a bit of a character, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I think um, I think it's interesting because the first part of John chapter one is so iconic. It's such a, a rich, yeah. um, you know, well quoted piece of literature. Mm. It's you know, it's just so poetic. And then then you get to kind of verse nineteen, and this quite quirky character um, comes in, mm. and I. I think it's it's actually quite hard to move from the first part of chapter one to um, listening listening to John, who he just doesn't seem to fall easily into a category. So let's get to who do we think John was? So we know that Jesus knew John. Mm-hmm. We're guessing, although these are extended families, these yeah. aren't you know these are kind of cousins, but there there's an extension to that, uh, and we think. Well, John was not around a lot of people because he seemed to take himself off eating mm. locusts and honey in the desert. Um, but they did know each other. Well, we know that they'd had an encounter when they were both in the womb. So, you know, at some level, there is a connection yeah. really early on that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt mm. for joy. So there's there's some connection to them as babies and you've got to think... That that would be talked about throughout, but John's we don't entire know. Life. We don't know they knew each. They spent much but time we, together. They, you know, they lived at some distance from each other. Mm. Um, Jesus spent part of his childhood in Egypt, so there's, you know, they weren't geographically going to be close. They might never have met each other. Indeed, I'm, mm. I'm not. I'm trying to to think as I kind of quickly go through all the baptismal accounts in my head. I don't think it necessarily implies that John knew Jesus. No, because in well, even in the Gospel of John, there's a bit here that says, um, 
or 33, and I myself mm. did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. Um, so that's, that's really interesting, isn't it? There's not this clear line of that they had this strong relationship beforehand. Mm. Um, and then John is the one announcing and introducing who he was. But John the Baptist, yeah, I mean, he didn't easily fit within you know the system i guess mm. and that's kind of what the other gospels are trying to say because yeah he was someone who attracted disciples he was someone who was a, a leader a religious leader um took himself off and uh, outside of society um and probably was treated with some skepticism by those and that's probably why he got you know, harassed here by mm. you know the authorities you know what are you who are you because maybe john's been off in the wilderness and he's coming back now and introducing people we don't there's so many things we don't quite know about him um his birth is supposed to have various miracles surrounding it he was born to older parents he his his dad was stuck struck dumb for yeah uh, the whole the whole time before his um his birth for not believing so there's you know there's Mm. there's a lot of interesting features to john but they're they're kind of spread about the gospels. There's not, yeah, okay. you, know, the, you know, it would be kind of quite helpful to have a book about John the Baptist, <laughs> um, but we don't because he comes in always as a backstory to Jesus, as a a preparation. And perhaps if we'd been there at the time, you would be there with the rise of the fame of John the Baptist, yeah, and you okay. would have seen him as a great character, and everybody knew exactly who he was. But for us, 2,000 years later, hmm. he's an eclipsed character. Yeah. He was obviously a major figure. Everybody knew who he was, which is why he was ultimately arrested and beheaded. Hmm. But he wasn't as great as Jesus, so we spend less time talking about him. And I, just the image of a pilot light, you know, this idea that there's a little light. You know, hmm. John's bringing something and then Jesus comes and the ignition of the gospel comes about. Um, you know, and I think when you've got the main fire going, you don't think about the pilot light in the corner. It's served its purpose and the main focus is on um, uh, the kind of heat that's coming from the main fire. And that's why, I guess. Um, But we can't, I think John, uh, there's too many Johns, John the author Mm -hmm. um, is gradually revealing who Jesus is through John. And it's a really, Mm. it's been really interesting to journey through these passages because these three days, um, that we get the story over this three clear days mm. here. Um, and it kind of starts with this, you know, John the Baptist saying he's around here somewhere, guys, yeah. um, but you can't see him. To the next day, he's here. Yeah. There he is. I've, you know, he walks past him and points him out to the next day of actually we need to gather near him and become you know, closer to him. So there's this real mm. kind of three-day um, kind of narrative uh, that the author is trying to sort of paint uh, a picture. And it's like any, it's like the introduction of a good film, isn't it? You kind of have these little screenshots of yeah. characters that are developing and moving around. And um, John, the author, is trying to do that, just pull out this little trajectory. And I was thinking if this was a movie, um, the character of John would be played by a fairly major celebrity who would be on all of the billboards, even <laughs> though he's not actually in the film for very much. Like in it for the first yeah, five he's minutes. he's in it for the first <laughs> ten minutes, but he's significant enough of a character 
to need a big, yeah, a big role playing. I think you're right. Yeah, Who would it be then? To, I, I reckon it would be a Brian Cranston type of Brian Cranston. Um, for, for those of you who are familiar with them, Breaking Bad and such, I think it would be a big kind of... Or like a Harrison Ford. Sort yeah, of, maybe. Although he's still kind of a major guy. But some, you're right, someone yeah, who's somebody there. Somebody who's quite big, um, <laughs> but who is, you know... Who'd sell the film but not be in the film. Absolutely. I think um, and I, this is also interesting because... We don't have um, Jesus's baptism hmm. in the book of John, but we do have it in, in the previous yeah. three gospels. Um, and in the in the gospels around the baptism, they include some of the words that John in, John the author includes here yeah, in his okay. gospel. But obviously, this is supposed to happen a bit later. So he has he had now, whilst perhaps we don't know if John had actually met jesus prior to the baptism mm. we know that he had met him at, a, at the baptism this is further on from the baptism yeah. um this is so so certain the timelines are interesting aren't the they? timelines and, and yeah. again i think we, what we've said is the biblical writers didn't really care overly much about <laughs> the timelines that no. wasn't big on them so we need to not maybe put too much scope on the timelines but but what is clear here is this is an event happening after yeah. the baptism of Jesus um, in which John saw um, the Holy Spirit anointing Jesus. Yeah. So this is, this is a time when John is already now very aware of who Jesus was, where he before knew that the Messiah was coming. Yeah. He knew that it was his anointed job to call people to that, to yeah. that messiah's coming yeah. but he still perhaps had doubts he still was perhaps very vague about what that even means mm. after he'd seen jesus baptized i think mm. there was a zeal to john there's a okay this was what i was supposed to do and this is the guy this yeah. is this is it now i now i now know who this is because it doesn't just switch on does it i think there's a gen you know revelation or prophecies you know bills don't they they kind of come through and mm. then you reach a point kind of a tipping point um along the way so it's and i think we have that and i think yeah we as we introduced the book of john we we kind of highlighted that it has more of a poetry about it than you know a yeah. literal account you know and i think i and i i think i need to check myself as i reflect on it as well not to get too bogged down in the mm. oh i know but that doesn't correlate with that and that doesn't so does that mean that's not true and there's a there's a really amazing poetic story and account that we're kind of privy to here. Um, and it's important for us to kind of acknowledge that, you know, the poetry mm. and the uh, liter literary way that that's kind of been pulled together. Mm. Um, and then we have this, you know, you know, obviously, you know, John makes these um, really strong announcements about who Jesus is. We don't really want to go too much into that because I kind of, I feel like we'll just end up repeating um, what we talked about, what I talked about um, Well, that's interesting in itself as well because we would repeat that, but we're kind of, we're sticking with chapter one for even a few more weeks. So there's still... Um, no, no, we're in chapter two next week. Really? But you won't have finished chapter one. Yeah, well, I kind of encourage people oh. to read that um, a little bit later. I remember when we put the timetable together, we decided we'd just do the chapters. Oh, okay. Right. That's me. So me thinking that you're going to be going back over No, no, we're not going back week. over it. So okay. after this, we don't have to get right, our so we John's. we really need to work hard on John then today. Because <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't pop up again. I don't think John mentions him again 
I don't think he might do, um, but I don't think so. So no, this is it. You know, we kind of, this is the focus really. Okay. Um, and then, so the bit that I didn't talk about, you know, was the end of chapter, um, end of chapter two, where we have Philip and Nathaniel. Um, yeah, and that kind of how, uh, that whole kind of account, you know, you know, how do you know me? Um, I saw you while you were still under the fig. You know, there's quite an interesting mm. you know, back and forth. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Uh, you will see greater things than that. And he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there's this big kind of finish, you mm. know, to this introduction passage and to drawing to people alongside um, Jesus. And then next week we go into the, um, I think I've entitled it, a uh, um, a party and a fight, chapter two, because um, that kind of feels like what it is. You know, I think you've missed out a big section, but um, <laughs> that's that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can enlighten us another week <laughs> on the section. That I'll I've do a postscript. Out. Yeah, no, we should do that. <laughs> um, but I guess one thing, and do you want to say anything more about that, or we'll move on to the other little bit? No, just... Just Go on, say the bit that I've missed out. What, what no, you, no, no, I'm no, not worried about that because I haven't really looked into that. I just thought we were doing that next week. Um, enough to get a little bit excited about what you were going to say about it next week, just to say. Oh, really? So, you know, I think maybe we should have a discussion over whether or not you should put this into next week's <laughs> sermon. But we'll leave that. We'll leave that be. And, um, and for those of you listening, you can work out who won the argument by what is preached <laughs> on next week. Um, now, just that just John is an interesting character. Mm. I feel... I would be uncomfortable around around him. That's why I probably say Brian Cranston to play him, somebody <laughs> who is, you know, quite abrasive, quite mm. an un, you know unusual, gritty sort of a character. Um, you know that he eats locusts and wild honey. Yeah, what is that about? Um, who is this guy? And I just have a feeling he's one of these guys, if you got into a conversation with him, you'd never know quite what footing <laughs> you were on. You'd ask a question. And, you know, yeah, he wouldn't okay. give you the answer straight away. He would leave you hanging for a bit, but not out of any kind of malice, but just that's how, it, how he works. Mm. Um, and then it's interesting as well that, so we, we move on, that um, in, on verse 30, 35 and onwards, mm. um, when John sees Jesus again, that two of his disciples nick off and follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, so he loses two of his disciples, at least in this part. And I also um, was reading that John, the apostle and author, was also Sir John the Beloved, yeah. who we believe is, is likely, is possibly the, the I think author, we say that he is. The, um, <laughs> likely, okay, we're saying that he is the author of this gospel. Um, also was one of John's followers. Yeah. So... There is a real humility in John, mm. in John the Baptist, that he he gives of his whole life mm. to bringing forth this word, being yeah. the voice. His whole life leads up to, at, at a young age, you know, mm. some somewhere kind of so probably thirty thirty one. He's mm. he's heralding in this the Messiah that he doesn't even understand, then he sees him. Once he sees him, he lets go of mm. all that is his for our Lord. So mm. he lets go of his followers because his followers now go on to follow mm, yeah. not the one who is heralding, but the one 
But he doesn't go. That's interesting, no, isn't it? Doesn't. Why doesn't he follow? Yes, he doesn't become one of the followers, possibly because he was too big a personality and um, because it's not long after he was arrested. Mm. And then that's it. He's beheaded again at a very young age. Mm. Um, so his whole life is really quite a tragedy. Yeah. Um, mm, he's this gritty character who's whose life is quite tragic and mm. yet we've got to believe that he he saw the hope and he knew he knew what he was about because his his role is a really important one and the picks up from the bit in Isaiah doesn't it you know and this idea that he you know he kind of personifies the voice you know mm. I am the voice I thought that's a really interesting you know sort of point that he puts he becomes the thing and and reinterprets it because no one really knew that that was a thing you know and he's there yeah. saying look it's me and I've as, as I reflect back on the sermon, I thought that was one of the bits that I thought, you know, had a lot to it that um, these religious leaders wanted to corner him and ar- arrest him and ultimately, um, but he didn't fit their char- their categories, yeah. you know, and just prophetically reinterpreted Isaiah and used it in a different way and uh, used scripture in a new way. I mean, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Reinterpreted what Isaiah was saying into that time now and that's kind of our role here that we look yeah. back on scripture and we interpret it today with where we are and it's the same thing that john the baptist said you know mm. i'm that voice um and I, it help it just makes me wonder how how do we grapple with the character of john the baptist and how do we so how how do we take what he is saying and maybe think a bit more about him mm. because like i say he's a, a perhaps overlooked character um, but then also two aspects this. How do we approach other John the Baptists in our modern day? Oh wow. How okay. do we yeah. how do we deal with people like him, perhaps um in the sense of difficult personalities mm. proclaiming truth? And often that happens. We have prophets in our modern world. We have mm. people who are who are the ones saying, you know, watch out, we're going to destroy the world if we keep consuming mm. plastic at the rate that we're doing, for instance. Um, often those are quite difficult people to be around, yeah. the, the visionaries, the, um, uh, you know, the people heralding in. They've seen something. It's caused them to set their life apart. Mm. But they're often quite difficult characters and so, we might want to be around them. So that's, yeah. you know that's that's something and just so that it's an interesting you know point the news again today um a version of extinction rebellion are gluing themselves to the road and and blocking the traffic you know there's this idea that there's a group of people and it's a l- mm. uh, we'll see where we go with this because it might be a little bit tenuous yeah. um but they've seen something yeah. um and that's drawn them to do some quite drastic action that's making everyone cross and I, you know, I don't want to yeah. you know i'm sure if i was stuck in a traffic jam wanting to get somewhere i'd be pretty furious um but they've seen something and they're saying enough's enough yeah and their their way of dealing with it is to do something quite drastic and uh, and frustrating um but they're trying to in some ways herald in a message of you know we can't keep going yes uh, the way that we're going um and i think it's very hard in our culture to do stuff that stands out you know john the baptist came and exploded onto the scene and stood out you know as the voice that was bigger than everything mm. else and and obviously he got noticed because the people came the authorities you know twigged and they yeah. they'd marked his ticket and they were wanting to work out quite what was going on um, but in such a loud world that we live in mm. um 
how do we discern who are the prophets or who's seeing the prophetic work of God and who are those who are just shouting? Yeah. Um, and I find that really hard to differentiate the two because um, there's so much noise, there's so much news. Um, and I don't want to just get sidetracked by the loudest voice. I want to see what's God saying. So I think something in the environmental movement, I think God is... You know, there's prophetic people speaking yeah. into that and saying, look, we can't just keep producing all this plastic, you know, and yeah. shipping it in from China and chucking it in our bins the next day. It's like, that is not okay. Um, but how's the right voice for that going to come through mm. um, and not just, you know, in what, you know, holding think, up traffic? And I think, first of all, we should always listen. I think we should listen to the voices around us. That doesn't mean we need to take on board what everybody says. Yeah. Um. So I might need to listen to, and just working with just that one, for instance, the Extinction Rebellion, I, they, they care passionately. Mm. And if I can afford them some dignity by listening to what they're saying, um, I might then go on to completely disagree with them. That's mm, a possibility. Yeah. Or... I might need to think, wow, okay, absolutely. What can I do? Um, you know, what are you asking of me? Mm. Um, and and sometimes extremists set about a path of change, yeah. um, like John the Baptist, but the ways that goes forth is actually quite different. So it, it takes the extremists to get the voice out. Yeah. Um, it'll often be heralded in in a quite a different mm. way. Um, so it could be that, you know, we all listen to the people from Extinction Rebellion, but actually we then need to move to a slightly different course of action. Mm. Um, so that's so that's so one one side of it is how, how do we approach other John the Baptists yeah. in our t today? The other thing is, is how are we to be like John the Baptist yeah, okay. in our daily lives? In what ways? Um are we the voice that Isaiah spoke mm. of and that John spoke of? In what way should we all, and I, I don't believe this was just for John, we all now, as um, mm. as followers, prophets and apostles, we are all a voice calling in the wilderness mm. um, and prepare the way of the Lord. I think we are, we are called to make straight paths. Yeah for for jesus within this world um how 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 can we be that person and that doesn't necessarily mean we all need to start eating locusts and no, wild honey it, but it i mean and that becomes a so what can we do that makes the way clear for others to you know hear the gospel i guess is kind mm. of what you're saying isn't it um and i think there's a balance in you know ultimately god is the one that draws people to himself mm -hmm. um but we are called to be church and to be the light in the world and be something of that mm. you know pathway um and how do i think so looking at our terrain our culture our society what things do need to flatten for people to hear something of the gospel mm. um and i i think that's a really interesting question and i i think um i now i'm not going to be able to quote this but i read this on my um, Richard Raw reading this morning and um, ah, sorry I really can't exactly quote it so I'm roughly saying that he was saying it's not kind of about 
saying what is um what is good and bad what is right and mm. wrong kind of what is horrific in this world but is what is um what's kind of sacred and has been made mm. unsacred so he's seeing that everything is sacred yeah. but many of the terrible things that we see in our world it's not that everything's terrible and we need to make it good it's that everything is good but some things have been corrupted mm. and through that have been made un unsacred mm. so so in preparing the way of the lord i'd say it's going forth and seeing places where um where people are unloved and making them loved yeah okay um of, of seeing the way that the crea creation god's creation has been violated and trying to restore some dignity to that creation um seeing when somebody's you know somebody's being disrespected in their workplace well let's establish respect mm. back to that person mm. so i think when we do those things we are um making way. we are we are preparing the way of the mm. lord and then other people see that they see the dignity that comes through this and they think why you know why why did that why did that bother you why mm. did you want to do that for me and that's well because god god gave you that dignity and i want you to have it back um it's interesting you come back to the word dignity because we used that in home group uh, a few weeks ago you used it on one of the questions um and i think it is one of the one of the ways that we can speak into our society and our culture mm. um how do we acknowledge you know that person in front of us uh, and build in something of that god-given identity and dignity and i think the world does grind us down doesn't it and mm. kind of just you know it does wear on us whether yeah. through illness through challenge through you know brokenness through ill you know mm. through relationships you know we get bogged down and dragged down and and worn down um and there's something in that you know but in the beginning of john about calling us to be children of light and expressing that light mm. that you know, we're, it's allowing that people to see that in their lives. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm quite challenged to know how I reach, and as a church, how we reach our community around us. How do we show it dignity? How do we mm. um, point towards the goodness, you know, in our world and say that goodness is God and that goodness is light and yeah. that's what we're about as a community um, and trying to find creative ways of doing that. But it's not an easy one to do. Um, I guess it does draw us to um, our initiative about praying, kind of adopting a street um, mm. that we talked about on Sunday and Diana did uh, an introduction to it. And this idea that we're to pray into our communities and pray into our streets, because I think when you pray about something, it, it does change you and acknowledges, you know, those, you know, those people around, those kind of um, the things that need to be made straight, you know, mm. ultimately. Um, and that comes through not our own work, but through prayer. Yeah. And if we see those places as places that ought to have dignity, mm. ought to be sacred, and then we're asking for a restoration in those places. Mm. Because it's not about, it's, it's not about the poor house and the rich house. 
because both of them need dignity in different ways Absolutely. both of need you know it isn't mm. okay we just need to pray for all those poor streets because um this cuts across it doesn't matter how big your front door is yeah. it's the same human condition you know we are all the same uh, just because you have a big big bank balance doesn't mean that uh, you don't have the same issues as everybody else um so it isn't just looking for the pockets of poverty mm. um it's looking for you know someone who's totally disengaged with their own identity and is you know running after something totally different and mm. we need to be the ones that say no look this is you know this is the light this is the gospel this is where we find mm. you know truth and real life in its fullest mm. um and that can be in any Community. And having the humility of of looking at the area that perhaps you've been challenged to pray for, and saying, "Where is God working here? Where is yeah. God wanting to bring light? Where is there already light that maybe I can't see, mm. but there's already dignity and light in that area? And what can I learn from that as well?" Mm. So when you choose a place to pray for, mm. maybe allowing yourself to be ministered to mm. through that place as as well as to minister to that place because i think often as christians we can get quite um out outward focused in the sense that it's we're the good one mm, and yeah. we're bringing the you know the revelation or the truth or the light to other people god's already there mm. so and there's things he wants to do and there's things he wants to do through you but he's things he wants to do in you as well. Yeah. Um, so wherever you kind of choose to um, to be making paths straight, mm. um, to prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, um, just also allow that wilderness maybe to be making some paths straight within your own yeah. heart, within your own wilderness. Because gone are the days that we can have the superiority you know in these things uh, and just think we're the ones that can go it's like the old missionaries going to africa yeah and thinking they can solve everything you know we're not that you know we're called to be some pretty horrendous stories yeah, that um, came out of that time but we we are called to be on mission and to be there but it's it's a different way of understanding that yeah and i do think you know we need to get away from this all the good is in in mm. the christians and all the bad is out the building and uh, i think there's so much good around there's so much beauty so much of god in our uh in our created world um but we're called to you know to see it acknowledge it and call it for what it is you know it's yeah. god's love expressed in that way and um then sharing something of that god's love yeah you know um in a creative way and i do think it requires us to be creative uh, and to think differently and approach differently i think uh, as a whole community really yeah and well, there's, there's two okay. there's just two words that go on you will finish on two words that, um, that keep resonating with me at the minute and one is dignity it yeah. keeps coming up I, I long for dignity in other people that's mm. the challenge i feel god's put on my heart is mm, yeah. what do i pray for i pray for dignity and i, I can want that for myself yeah. as well um, and the other one is humility mm, yeah. the, the, the two words humility that actually i don't know all the answers mm. and i cannot give all the gifts i am hopelessly flawed mm, yeah. um and yet i am still dignified so in those in those two things i believe they kind of keep coming through the teachings mm. of the author john and i i believe they help us um as we go forward in mm. our faith um certainly 
seeking, seeking humility mm. in all of the ways that we we want to um, prepare the way of the Lord. Yeah. But if we do not do that in a humble way, we're going to be struggling, I think. Well, that's really two good points to finish our time together. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of our conversation. And I pray that you might find dignity and humility. Amen. God bless. Thank you.